Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Hey guys, Anna here. Thank you so much for listening to the show. It's a show where I talk to successful people about how their struggles have played a role in their success. In short, how they have been able to use their darkness to find their light. Um, I'm just going to get right into today's guest. He's, he's a great guy I've been friends with for a while and I saw him. I, he's so together and he's so successful, uh, that I was very surprised to learn about his background and to talk to him about how the reason he's successful is essentially, uh, his attempt to deal with having attention deficit disorder. Really, really interesting stuff because so many people that I talk to say, well, I can't do that because I have ADD, I can't focus, I can't, you know, and this this guy really disproves that that is a good excuse. Um, who is he? His name is Nick Sonnenberg. He's a serial entrepreneur. His company is called Leverage. And before he got into doing that, he spent eight years on Wall Street as a high-frequency algorithmic trader uh, something I can't say, nor could I begin to define what he what that means. Um, but anyway, you don't want to miss this one. Listen, keep going. This is Nick Sonnenberg. Can you hear me all right? Some asshole just came over here and decided to talk. Right. Not right only not only that, but I'm already recording. So the first okay. remember how I just told you you could swear. <laughs> the first thing you did was swear. So great, <laughs> especially because I think you're perfect. So okay, let's talk about this. So I see you as this just completely together, you know, been successful from the beginning, went to Berkeley, big stockbroker guy. Now you have this big company and you tell me that you're far from perfect. This is true. Oh, you should talk to my girlfriend. She'll confirm that with you. (laughs) What would she say? Well, one, she'll say that I'm messy, which is kind of interesting because I do have kind of like with leverage and I even have like a business efficiency consulting company, which is all about having systems and stuff. But I guess when I get home, like, I'm just tired from the whole day. So I'll throw my clothes anywhere. I mean, not like anywhere. I have kind of like a pile that I'll throw it on. So that's kind of not perfect, I would say. Um, I mean, a lot of stuff. I don't have very much patience. So that's not perfect. Right. Um, and also, being, I, I'm very wrapped up in, in, in business stuff. So a lot of times I won't be present because I'm thinking about a business problem. Interesting. Right. Interesting. And have you, what were you like as a kid? Where did you grow up? You're East Coast, right? So, no, no, I'm LA. I grew up that's in LA. That's right. That's right. You grew up in LA. What part of LA? Brentwood? West LA near Chevy, Chevy Hills. And then we Chevy moved to Hills. Agora. Okay. And far from perfect. I, when I'm very strong at math. That's what I studied in college. But growing up, I had ADD. We were just talking before about me. Pe- I was on Peter Shankman's fashion yeah. podcast about ADD. Um, I, I realize now that my, I guess you would call it a learning disability, but 
reading comprehension was always an issue for me. We're, we're probably very much opposites because you're, totally you're the actually- writer, you're the writer um, and all that. But yeah, I would score like one percentile in like reading comprehension in those standardized tests, but then 99th percentile in math. So I had to go through it. And it's not that I couldn't read or something, but I would just start daydreaming in the middle of a passage. And by the end of paragraph one, I'd have no idea what, what, what I was just reading. Math was something I did well at because it captured my attention and it was like problem solving. So it, it had my brain working in a different way. And I kind of liked that way of it working. So math always was, was easy. All the other stuff I had to try much harder. Like SATs, I didn't have to study for the math, but I studied my ass off for, for the English part of it. Did, how'd the score? Well, you, your score must have been pretty good if you went to Berkeley. Well, I didn't get into Berkeley for undergrad. So funny enough. So yeah, I did well. I got like in the 1400s. I don't know what they, I don't know now if it's out of 20, back then it was out of 1600. 1600, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I did, I did pretty well, but, um, you know, my grades were, were always good in math. It was, I had good grades, but I did, I started really coming out of my shell in college and like, I graduated a year early. I skipped basically every class. I was like a professional poker player actually in college. So I spent about 50 hours a week gambling. And um, I just, I just at that, like around the 18 year old mark, I really learned how I learn, if that makes sense. Yeah. I talk more learning. In high school, I, I kind of, I, I kind of started. So this whole working from coffee shops, I think I pioneered that when I was sixteen. So I, I would go to Starbucks and work. And at a young age, I, I kind of learned how I would learn. So I hired and paid. I would, I would teach swim classes, and I was a baseball umpire, and I'd use that money to pay for tutors, and that, and I would learn, I would learn in, in, in a really efficient way. And even in college, I was efficient. And I did the same thing. I taught math classes, and then I would hire tutors to teach me in different ways how to look at how to look at some of these courses. And I ended up graduating, um, you know, honors, dean's list a year early. And I was the youngest that at that time I was the youngest to get accepted to Berkeley for a master's in financial engineering. And I'm not the smartest one. I just what I did smart was I I'm good with systems and processes. I looked at school just as another system and process. And even though there are people way better than me at math, I mean, literally day one at Berkeley, we had to stand up. There were 60 people. Only six of us were white. And the, the guy before me stood up and we had to say what we, who we are and what we worked on. And the guy was like, I was like 19 or 20. And he was like early 30s and was at Caltech working on the, like a laser, PhD in nuclear physics and worked on a laser beam for 10 years at Caltech. And I'm like, I'm Nick. I just partied my ass off at UC Santa Barbara and I play poker. I play a lot of poker. Happy to be here. <laughs> so wait a second though. You were as a teenager hiring your own tutors. Your parents weren't doing that. You were earning money to hire your own tutors because you knew that would give you an advantage. I had no pressure schooling wise. I'm the first to go to college. My dad didn't graduate sixth grade. My mom never went to college. My rules were stay on the honor roll and don't get arrested. Wow, I would never have guessed that. No, I, I, I wasn't the kid where the you know where your parent one is a lawyer, one's a doctor, and you know that you have really strict rules. Um, it was the the complete opposite for me. Anything I did was better, kind of, than what they did. So, 
Um, I was just self-motivated. Did you, do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, he, complete opposite. Really? <laughs> yeah. Younger brother? Young, younger brother. Um, he's an actor. He's, he's more on the creative side of things. So he's an actor, voiceover person, not good at math, not good at that side of things. But, you know, but way more creative than I am. And so, so you, it's just so interesting that, so it's almost like your passion in life is systems and you figure that out as a teenager. Would you say that's true? Yeah. I always just, I like problem solving. I think like that's the bigger umbrella. You know, I like to play speed chess in Washington Square Park. I am the type of weirdo where at JFK uh, airport, there's a coffee shop and the way that they, the way that they structured the line and the process of making the coffee, like they weren't pre-making coffee, so they were getting this wraparound line and they're missing like 50% of the opportunity of getting revenue. Like that's the type of stuff that bothers me. So like I'll go and write, just write to the CEO like, hey, like I don't need any money from you for this, but I just want you to know if you were to just change this, this, and this, like it would totally change your business. So I'm always just looking at things from solving problems. So for me starting... I, I got into high frequency trading where I'm building algorithms to trade stocks based off of math formulas. That's problem solving. You know, it's every day you can go in, you can see how much money a tweak to your algorithm made. And that's why I like entrepreneurship. It's, it's solving, it's solving hard problems. So for me, ultimately, I just like to, I like, I like what it does for the brain, like trying to solve problems. I'm, I'm, I'm really introverted. So I like to just sit and think for, for a little while and try to come up with new solutions to things. So um, now I'm rambling. What was the no, question? No, this is good. I don't know, but, <laughs> but I want to go back to, okay, so we started talking about ADD. Like how serious is your ADD and how is that connected to this? Well, as you can see just now, I uh, forgot what the question was, but um it's not terrible. I don't have ADHD for sure, but like I didn't, I, I couldn't sit through a lecture in college. So for me, after like the 30 minute mark, I've just got to get up. So I think it, I, it plays, it's an advantage because my mind is always going in a lot of different directions. The, the thing with ADD is it's a, it's a benefit and it's a weapon if you know how to use it right. And you need to control it with systems and tools. Because otherwise, if your brain is just racing all over the place and you don't have a place to dump all the stuff that's happening, that's where ADD can really, you can suffer from having it. But if you know how to use it to your advantage and to do that, and I just, we were just talking about Peter Shankman um, before we, we started recording here. We, I just had dinner with him last night and there's a small group of ADD folks and the, the common theme was everyone has a system and process how to manage their ADD from, and I'm not, I'm not nearly as strict as some of these people. Like some of them sleep in their workout clothes to make sure that they work out the next day, or they'll put these like, like Peter was saying he has uh, luggage that's already packed right now. So he has like two of everything toiletries. So he won't forget something he could pick up and leave. So everyone's got kind of these weird things that they're doing. I'm not like that, but I am really anal about how I use, especially for my company. Diff, and this is why I have, this is why I, I consult on this stuff too, because for, for being able to manage all the random ideas that, that I'm having, I needed, I needed to have systems and tools and structure around, hey, you use 
Slack for internal communication. And here's the way that we're going to use it with naming conventions. And we use this tool for this case because a lot of, a lot of companies struggle because they're mixing and matching and using the wrong tool in the wrong case. And if you have ADD, that quickly becomes a complete nightmare. But I tried Adderall for one year when I split up with my ex fiance. Uh, I was just an, a, a disaster. I couldn't think. I couldn't think straight. Yeah. And that's when I tried Adderall, and I, it was my worst year of trading when I was a high frequency trader, um, because the Adderall it, it really prevented me from having creative thoughts. It's really good if you want to sit and read an entire book and not get up to go pee, um, but. A lot of being an entrepreneur or even a high frequency trader, you might not, it might not be the first thing that you think about, but you have to have creativity. You know, you, it's not just in high frequency trading about being the best at math or data science. You have to understand how the markets work and the rules of the exchange and how orders are processed and use all of this to figure out a new strategy. And that takes a lot of creativity. And that, that year that I was on Adderall, I was not creative at all. And same with being an entrepreneur, you have to be creative, right? So, oh, yeah. you know, to manage the ADD, you have to be working on things. For me, at least, I have to work on things that I'm, I have to constantly be intellectually stimulated. I have to do, you know, I drink coffee, so I don't do Adderall, but I, you know, I, I have a couple cups of coffee and, you know, the, all the typical stuff you'd hear, you working out's good. And, you know, I have, I have kind of themed days, so I have days where I have my meetings. I have days where I do other types of things. So I do have some, probably more structure than others. Themed days? So besides meeting days, what are the other themes? Well, like Mondays are my days of internal team meetings, okay. right? So I'll block off the whole calendar for that. I'll have other days where it might be podcasting days or days where I'm working on um, my consulting business or my my bullseye events. I might have a personal day. So it's not perfect, but I do try to have some generalized theme days and as much as possible, stick to it. That way I go into the day knowing, okay, I'm going to get no work done. It's going to be all internal meetings, but that's cool. Or I have a day where I deal with all of my shit. So I'll snooze emails that I don't want to deal with that are non-urgent and I'll just get it all in this one day. And I know that I'm going to have to have a ton of coffee and it's not going to be pleasant, but Instead of me sprinkling throughout the week crap that I don't like doing, I like to just rip the Band-Aid and do it on one day. God, that is so different than the way I operate. It is so fascinating because I just find this whole group of people that, like, that, that I met you through, like, it's just so interesting. I mean, so many of them are obsessed with systems and planning and all of these things that I just, I don't know how to do. I'm learning from you guys. But <laughs> let's You have talk. to come to one of my events. <laughs> okay, let's talk about your events. Um, so I'm, I'm co-hosting it with Lee Brower. Um, if you know who he is, he's, he's a coach, a strategic coach. He was in the movie, The Secret, and it's called Bullseye. He, he does half the event and it's, it's all about strategy and vision, personal and, and professional. And then I'm all about execution. So systems and tools. So you have all these, we both belong to a bunch of groups that are great networking, or you get ideas and you leave with a bunch of ideas. Then most of them, 99% never see the light of day. And so he does half, which is on the vision stuff, and I do half where it's let's roll up our sleeves and actually start implementing and changing your systems in your company. So that's the spin on it. We don't have other speakers. It's really a workshop geared towards that. Um, is it in New York? 
No, we did our last one was in um, Utah. Our next one is October 16th to 18th in Denver. And then the one after that's February 5th to 8th in Austin. But it was, it was about 40 plus entrepreneurs. Jay Abraham came as a guest. We had a lot of really, Tony Robbins sent his CIO as a, as a guest. So we had some really high level, uh, interesting people, but it was great. I'm really excited for that. So would love to have you come to one of them. Yes, yes, yes. I'm in. Ultimately, you just have to be aware of what works for you. And right. you, you know what I mean? Like one thing is for sure, no one likes the scavenger hunt of having to look in 10 different places to find information. So I have preferences on tools, but I, I always tell people, look, it doesn't matter which tool you pick, just you should make sure that you're using it to the highest and best use. Most people are not using email properly, even though you've been using it for 30 years or 20 years. No one really knows how to use it properly. And so that's just one example, but a tool is just a tool. It depends on how you use it. And ultimately, the goal of any tool, it's so that you don't go on a scavenger hunt looking for things so that you're sure that things are getting done and you don't have to waste time switching around, searching for things. You could free up that time to work on higher level stuff that you get joy from or that taps into your unique ability. Now, let's talk about how your struggles have played into this success. I'm imagining there were struggles with having ADD and with not being able like to, to, to do reading comprehension effectively. Do you, do you remember those? I mean, I've had a ton of struggles. The reading comprehension in school was a struggle. So funny enough, um, I got held back, not held back, but I didn't go into the kind of the the level of math class. So I kind of got held back a year in math, even though even though I was able to, in, in seventh grade, even though I was able to do kind of like the ninth grade math, I wouldn't show my work. Cause like, for me, I didn't understand what they were. I, I wouldn't follow the rules. I wasn't like a, I wasn't like really rebellious, but I just feel like this doesn't make any sense. I don't agree with it. So they held me back. And um, they thought that because of my poor reading comprehension skills, when you get to a certain part of math in middle or, or, or high school, where there's like passages and you have, you know, Johnny is traveling on a train at 30 miles an hour from blah, 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 blah. So um, that was a, that wasn't like a struggle, but they were concerned that I wouldn't be able to handle that because of the reading comprehension. Oh, yes. Math problems. That gave me like a visceral feeling of horror when you just talked about math problems. Um, and, and, struggle, though. In business too, like I had a co-founder pick up and leave and like the company almost went bankrupt. So that was a struggle. Um, are you? Can you talk more about that? Yeah. I mean, I literally, literally, I had five minutes notice that my ex-business partner was leaving. And at that point, at that point, I basically inherited a completely broken business. Uh, the way that we split up the business was he was people facing and I was non-people facing. So we grew the company very quickly. We got to like 150 people remote and we had, we had really no foundation. We had bad, bad product that we were selling. We thought it was good, but turns out it wasn't good. And we just grew really fast. We kind of grew way too fast, didn't have the right processes, didn't have the right quality of product. And not only that, we were 150 people, no executive team. It was just me and him. I handle anything that doesn't have to do with people. He handles anything that has to do with people. So when you lose the people half of the two-person team, you inherit 
a broken company, clients don't know you, and literally team members didn't know who I was. And then I have to kind of be the captain of the ship and no one knows who I am. And it, you know, we lost like like 40% in a three month period right after that. It was, that was a struggle. Yeah. Um, but I'm a, but it, it, it made me a better entrepreneur. It strengthened the company, but it, it was tough. You know, I had to cash out my 401k bank accounts are getting frozen. Oh uh, rumors of were going bankrupt. I mean, that was, that was tough. Um, when I started high frequency trading, that was stressful and tough too. You know, it was pretty complicated stuff. It took me about two years to really understand what the hell I was doing with that. So I would, um, I would work, you know, like six, I had, it was a cool job. I had like at some point 16 computer screens living in the four seasons. Like it seemed like the, 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 the perfect life, but at 23, I was working so much. I blew out my back. I still to this day have back problems from sitting too long, you know, but uh, I think that I think that going through difficult times is a benefit because it strength it, it forces you to get more resilient. And I think now my biggest strength is having a high pain tolerance. And I, I really mm. I used to think that it was math, but now it's mm. uh, going through all this. I think it's having that. Susie Batiste, the CEO of Poopery, previous it a- podcast guest, by the way. Oh, really? I was oh. just at. She's awesome. She's she's uh, on my Leverage podcast. She's coming out next week. She's so um, amazing. I saw that you did an Instagram story about her, and I was like, "Yes, I'm." A, she's my business idol. She's awesome. Yeah. So she hired me to consult Poopery. So I go in and I help them with their internal efficiency. And I was just staying at her. She's such badass. She bought a church. Her house is a church in Dallas. So yeah, I, was just, I heard that. I stayed at her house for for a few days. Um, see the ADD kicks in. Now I forget what we were even talking about. We were talking, Oh God, you, it was so compelling. And I'm so obsessed with her that you got me off track too. Um, <laughs> Susie Batiste says it was, you were quoting her. Oh, uh, she, she says that her, like one of her biggest strengths is what she calls a figured it out muscle. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I've always had that. And that's now going through the, the suffering or the difficult times. Now I realize that that and my high pain tolerance is the is really my unique gift not right. so much I'm strong at math or problem solving right right I can right. suffer <laughs> it's it's you know it's interesting because having a low pain tolerance I think can be equally good because if you have a low pain tolerance then you get right into solution totally because you yeah, just it, literally it, can't handle it yeah I think that I think that there's there's pros and cons to both. I think a weakness of having a high pain tolerance is I'll endure, I'll I'll, I'll put up with something far longer than I should because I can just handle it. Versus a lot of people would be like, "Screw it, I'm I'm done." Right. So, right. So I think it's a double edged sword. In terms of another struggle, you know, you mentioned um, being introverted and being the person who doesn't deal with people. How has that been a struggle? Mm. Well, I do come off, I, I do come off, especially to my team, they, I, people can find it challenging to, to work with me. You have to, you have to learn how to work with me. So I'll be blunt. Sometimes I'll come off. I mean, we're friends. So you, you've, you haven't seen this side of me, but you know, oh. even, even yesterday, someone on my team like got offended with the way I was saying something. I'll come off. I can come off demeaning or like I'll, that I know it all, even though I'm not trying to, I'll, I'm very monotone. 
and that can that can be a weakness. So I I do talk. I, I, I have to try harder to give talks at conferences because I know I'm not a natural speaker. I don't have inflection in my voice. I'm very flat. And even translating that into how I run my team, it, I can come off certain ways like an asshole and people, it can rub people the wrong way. That's interesting because you seem very personable to me. I have always found you to be like easy to talk to, very friendly. Um, I, 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 I believe you about the introversion, but that's not the side of you that I see. No, I had to, I had to definitely try. I, when I know someone, like we've known each other now for years, so I'm comfortable around you. But when I first meet people, I'm, I'm very quiet. I'm much more of a listener than a, than a speaker. Mm. Now, what, let's also talk about, about the success of the company and how people can use the leverage and all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, leverage. We I bootstrapped the company, never raised money, uh, which I'm which I'm proud of. I feel like a lot of people think that in order to start a company, they need to re- raise ten million dollars before they get started, and that's not not the case. Um, leverage I built. I'm an engineer by trade, so I built it out of pers- uh, personal need. You know, I'm the type of person where if I want something that doesn't exist, I'm inclined. Hey, I let's figure out how to build this thing. So I built leverage because. After I quit finance, I started um, an app and I had to experience hiring freelancers during that process. And it was a pain in the ass to hire freelancers. You have no idea that, you know, there's, there's companies like Upwork and Fiverr where there's hundreds of thousands of people. You have no idea who's good, who's not good. Um, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. And for any company, you need to hire multiple people, developers, designers, copywriters, et cetera, marketing so you end up spending all this time not knowing who's good. Then if you do find that lucky needle in a haystack, you're managing these random people that have no interaction with each other. And for the most part, they're just doing exactly what you tell them to do. They're, not, they're just executioners. You have to give them the strategy what you want them to execute. So it was a pain. And I learned the hard way that hiring someone that is sounds cheap, like $30 an hour developer, that sounds better than $150 an hour developer. I learned the hard way that actually it's way more expensive because when you factor in how much handholding you have to do with a junior person, what your time is worth, that you have to really think about freelancers or, or anyone that you work with, what's the total cost? And if it's $30 an hour and it takes them an hour, it's not just $30 for that task because if it took you an hour of your time to guide them through that and your time is worth 200 an hour, it's $230 to get it done versus if you worked with a hundred dollar an hour person and it took you 15 minutes, you know, that's $50 of your time plus a hundred dollars of theirs. So that's $150. So when you start thinking about cost like that and factoring your time into it, I found that I was actually paying a ton of money with these freelancers and um, so I wanted to build something that would help me with my company, Calvin. So mm-hmm. the solution was, well, what if I, what if there was a company that existed? Now it's leverage, but where you could get a team of a hundred vetted people, all different skill sets that are a part of a team where there's training, where where there's training happening behind the scenes. They can interact and collaborate with each other. If you're not happy, you can go and talk to the company. You're not fighting with, you know, some random person in China. 
And um, not only that, they're not just people that execute, but if you give them a task that doesn't make sense for your business, they would have the sense to push back and say, hey, look, I'm happy to do a LinkedIn ad campaign for you, but it doesn't really make sense because you don't even have an email capture on your website. How about we go and like do some email capture on your website? Mm -hmm. And also half the links on your site don't work. Maybe we should start on that before we throw money at this, okay. right? So I wanted something that could kind of do all of that. And that's, that's what Leverage does. So we give, we support entrepreneurs and business owners. We give you a team of freelancers. You just pay for what you use. They hit a start and stop timer. It's $80 an hour for the most part. And we do copywriting, marketing, design, web development. And when you want work done, you hit a, we hit a start and stop timer. And if, if the beauty is, if someone gets stuck, they have this whole support system internally. You know, they can ask an account manager or another person on the team, like, hey, Anna wants to launch a book. Where's the playbook that we have internally on book launches? Or, hey, does anyone have experience with HubSpot set up? And maybe right. three people on the team do, and then they can go and help that person. So it's a different angle on kind of this outsourcing platform. And it's much more geared towards entrepreneurs and business owners that value their time and want to get stuff done right versus trying, you know, we're not the cheapest solution. If you want cheap, you know, go and search on, on, on Upwork or Fiverr. Um, we're not a virtual assistant. A lot of people are, oh, you're a VA service. No, there's great virtual assistant companies. Um, I find that virtual assistants in general, it's hard to get a return on time, okay. meaning a lot of people will use a virtual assistant to book a flight or a dinner reservation and it takes you a, a minute to explain it and it only takes them a minute and a half to do it. So like you're not really getting a good ratio versus I'll do an ink article in an Uber by brain dumping a three minute audio to one of my ghostwriters on the leverage team. And then they'll take the audio and the next thing I know I have an ink article and then it's blasted on social media. So like three minutes of my time results in something that takes five hours of effort. So like that's and, a good and It's like also, it's like stuff you can't do. I give my, you know, person, I, you know, in, on my team, like it's, I literally don't know how to do it and it's not worth my time to learn how to do something that I really? don't need to know how to learn. Um, yeah, I, I have no idea how to do most of the stuff that they're doing. Um, not to mention... I, I could fumble my way through an ink article. It'd be less good and I would, I would hate it and I'd probably procrastinate a lot because it's painful for me. So I try to free up my time to work on things that are less painful that I ideally like or that I'm relatively better at. Right, right. Well, this has been awesome. We have to move into the lightning round where you just say the quickest first thing that comes to mind. Easy, easy Ooh. questions for you. Um, what is your morning routine? Ooh, um, well, I will on a good day work out and I don't have one of these crazy morning routines. On a good day, I'll work out, come home, have a coffee shower and start working. That's a good morning routine. What is a book that has changed your life? Ooh, um, I really like Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek and David Allen's book, Getting Things Done mm -hmm. and, and Untethered Soul is a really good book too. Um, do you have a favorite quote? Yeah, David Allen has a quote, your brain is for having ideas, not holding ideas, which is kind of the core of a lot of the motivation for the systems that I implement in companies. Yeah. Do you have a mentor? Hmm. Have you ever had a mentor? 
Not, not directly. I have, I have a really, I'm close with a lot of people that I guess you would call mentors, you know, like we're, we're friends with Joe Polish. Now I'm not on a weekly basis calling Joe and asking him for advice, but if I need something, I know I can go and call Joe or Jay Abraham, same type of thing. We're not talking weekly, but maybe once a quarter we'll have a call. And if I have need some business advice or even Lee Brower, who I'm doing um, my events with, if I need some, like I've learned a lot from, from Lee. Do you have a spiritual practice? No. Um, How's that already, for yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really good. Really good answer. Um, what, we talked about your best quality, but can you say it again? High pain tolerance. High pain no, tolerance. I, I like, I'm good at solving problems and connecting the dots between multiple different systems. So where I'm strong is I'm, I'm passionate. Let's say this. I'm passionate, not just on individual saving times, but like how within an organization or a team, do you maximize the productivity on a team level or on an organization level? Cause on some cases it might, it might mean that individuals have to sacrifice their own productivity, but for the greater good of the team and looking at productivity within a, a group or, or an organization is a, is an interesting problem that I like trying to solve. So high pain tolerance and excellent at problem solving, problem solving, connecting the dots. I mean, I used, I used to be, I was successful as a high frequency trader because I'm strong at math and problem solving, but then I'm also, I have a, a good business sense. So I could kind of combine the two. There was people way better than me at math, but I excelled at, at high frequency trading because I would learn the rules of the game and find find some, not loopholes, but I would find opportunities to, to leverage by, by understanding the rules of a game really well. And then how do you take advantage of, or how do you map, how do you um, not take advantage? That's the wrong word, but how do you create opportunity by, by leveraging and understanding the rules really deeply? And then how do you apply problem solving or math to, to maximize that opportunity? I still call that problem solving. That's, yeah, it's problem yeah. solving. What? Um, how do you define dark emotionally? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, I guess. I guess the inability to stop thinking about negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm, good. And how do you define light? The inability to stop thinking about positive thoughts. I <laughs> <laughs> like it. And then finally, what what is good about sharing your story? Like sharing this journey. Um, well, I think I think that my journey in particular, I've 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 had complete big swings in my career. I went from doing finance and math to building an app to now having a consulting business and a outsourcing platform. So I guess, I guess one thing, one thing people could take away is that just because you're in one job now doesn't mean that you could be doing something totally different. Also the fact that I bootstrapped leverage, I hope that I would like and hope that people don't think that they need to, raise money or, oh, it's not possible to do this because it's going to be so much money. I mean, I wrote a book, Idea to Execution, 
all about how I bootstrapped leverage. And if you're creative, I guess this is the problem solving, but there's so much technology out there that if you can, you can glue with duct tape and spit a bunch of different third-party tools together and build a minimum viable product really cheap to test ideas. So I hope that people don't, I hope that people listening, if they have an idea, they get motivated to experiment, not trying to build the all-in perfect solution, but being creative and out of the box and how can you get an 80% solution by leveraging pre-existing tools. I love it. You made it. Um, Nick, thank you so much. If people want more information about what you do and who you are, get, is getleverage.com the best? Yeah, getleverage.com is the best place to go. Well, thank you so much, uh, you guys, for listening. Thank you, thank you. I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.